With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. March 30th, 2018, the final four. 38.1 seconds left in overtime. Notre Dame guard Arike Ogumbolale is at the free throw line with two shots and her Irish up three points on the vaunted, undefeated Yukon Huskies. Arike is six for six from the line tonight, but she misses the first. Ogumbolale gets the ball back and takes three dribbles. Still make it a two-possession game. Missed it. Samuelson the rebound. UConn's Crystal Dangerfield pushes the ball up court, still down three. Dangerfield to tie the game. Got it! After a timeout, the Irish and Ogumbawale get the ball one last time. Ten seconds to go for a trip to the national championship. Ogumbawale. Second remaining, Williams down the floor. Samuelson, Notre Dame with the win. Off to the title game. 48 hours later, the Irish must face another number one seed in Mississippi State for the national championship. The Bulldogs dominate the first half and take a 13-point lead into halftime. Notre Dame mounts a comeback, powered by Agumbawale's 14 second half points, but is she running out of steam? Loose to Agumbawale. Against Vivians. Too strong. And she punches the stanchion in frustration. She's missed a ton of layups tonight. Yep. A ton of them. Notre Dame keeps fighting and ties the game with 40 seconds left. Mississippi State goes inside to their star center. McCowan missed it. Shot clock is off. Tie game at 58 apiece. The Bulldogs steal it, but the Irish steal it right back. Tipped away by William. Loose in midcourt. Young's got it. A whistle. A foul is called with three seconds remaining. Once more, Notre Dame gets the last shot. But who's going to take it? Ogumbawale for the win. Good! Arike Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame! Like there was any doubt. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Neil, a.k.a. Dork Nowitzki, a.k.a. Gotham Coach, the long-lost Gasol brother, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, the Arike Agumbawale Final Four is f***ing legendary. Rob, my editor, please sense that because I don't want to be swearing this early in the podcast. The moment is f***ing legendary. But is it a First Ballot Hall of Famer? Here with me today to decide that is freelance writer and one half of the popular award-nominated basketball podcast, The Spinsters. She's also a WNBA host for Buckets and the host of Jordan Brand's Take It From LA. It's Jordan Liggins. Jordan, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Now, Jordan, each week we go through our Hall of Fame credentials to see if a moment passes our test. Before we dive into the Agumba Wale Final Four, I want to set the table with you i need mm-hmm. your favorite sport your favorite team and your favorite athlete oh goodness well favorite sport basketball hands Perfect. down favorite team um i am a lakers fan i'm a sparks fan but more importantly i was a sacramento monarchs fan so mm, that I is like that. hands down my favorite team 
And favorite athlete just won? Oh, no. Well, I was a big Kobe fan, so I think Kobe all the way. It's a great Mamba mentality. Uh, How did you get into the Monarchs? (laughs) Tell me a little bit about your your Monarchs fandom. So I remember one of my best friends that I played basketball with, her birthday was always on WNBA opening night. Uh. So probably for five or six years opening night we were there to celebrate her birthday that's awesome and we would stay after and get signed by the players and it was you know the first time I really was able to see up close in person like if you're really good at basketball this is where you can get there is an avenue for women if you really you know get after it so for a while there, you couldn't tell me I was not going to be a Sacramento Monarch. Like, That's I was going to be in the WNBA. <laughs> I was going to be playing with Tisha Pinachero, my yes, favorite player. she's the best. And she's the best. She's, she's wait, the can I tell best. you a quick story please, about please, her? Please, So, my fiancé knows that that is my favorite player. Mm. And she was a part of my proposal. Oh, my like, gosh. bought a cameo oh. video <laughs> of her, like, telling me how great I am. And I was just crying. Amazing. It was even before the proposal. I thought that was the surprise. Right. I was so happy. Right. So. That's Tisha, amazing. Oh. Having Tisha Benichero <laughs> as part of your proposal. What a story. That's fantastic. I love her so much. <laughs> now, Jordan, one of the reasons I had you on to discuss the Ogumba Wally Final Four is because you yourself played college basketball. I did. Tell me about your career. Ooh. So I, yeah, I've been playing basketball since I was five, and I had a really, really good high school career. Um, you know, one of those where I want you, you had to the feel comfortable. I want you to feel comfortable bragging right now. Okay. okay. It's it's not as comfortable <laughs> for me, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Okay. Um, I was, you know, all conference and hell yeah. I we won the the conference championship for the first time in school history. That's in my, right. In my time there. Tell them. Um, <laughs> um, and then I got recruited and I went to Point Loma Nazarene University in San Diego. So D2. What's up? Go see lions. Uh, <laughs> lions. You know, okay. Wait, were you the sea lions? Pause or the right lions? there. Pause right there. I so we are up, you the sea lions. Okay, yeah. We are the sea lions. It's the worst mascot ever. No. But while I was there, we were the lions of the sea. So it was like a lion <laughs> with seaweed hair. No, you're putting me on. <laughs> no. Are you? Are you telling me the truth? No, I'm telling you the truth. His name was Rory. It was awesome. But now, just this year, they introduced like an actual sea lion Wait as a, a mascot. Hold on. A and second. it's okay. horrible. Okay, hold on. I am bi- <laughs> I love sports logos and sports design. Are you telling me when you went to college, the like <laughs> yeah. logo, the like Point Loma branding was a mm-hmm. lion lion, like the animal lion with seaweed yes. hair? Yes. It was a lion like coming out of the water. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Why did they decide to, why, how did they land on that? I have no idea. Well, I actually think it's more like intimidating to have a lion of the sea than a sea lion. I like buying, (laughs) I like buying sea lions. I like the pride of going. Hell yeah, I'm a sea lion. I mean, I, we're the sea lions. Like, I like the 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 audacity of going. We are the sea lions, and we're mm-hmm. gonna beat you in basketball. Like, I think that's. Yeah. I like yeah. the love and the nurturing behind just going all in on sea lions and trying to make it tougher by going. Look at this thing with the mane and its seaweed, and don't you get it? It's from the sea. Get out of town. That's <laughs> the, that's too far well, to and- walk. Honestly, it it was it was mixed signals the whole time because when <laughs> it, when it was homecoming or when another team was at a free throw line, like even though we were the lions of the sea, so you think we would like roar or something, right. they would do like a sea lion clap. Oh, They'd be like, no. burr, "Oh, burr. No. oh, wow, that's oh incredible!" <laughs> okay, let's dive into this moment. Let's dive into the Agumbawale Final Four. Here we go now. 
The first ballot Hall of Fame credentials are the categories by which we judge these moments. I'll explain each category. If you have any questions, please ask. Our okay. first credential is, of course, analytics. People love stats today. They love statistics. What are the stats of this moment that make it great? All right. Agumbawale in the UConn game finished with 27 points on 9 of 21 shooting, 3 for 6 from 3, 6 from 8 from the free throw line. That's a fantastic game in a Final Four in addition to the buzzer-beating game yeah. winner. She She's a, a scorer. Like, that's one thing that I love about Arike. And I love that you mentioned the free throw because she did miss a very key free throw when we look at that last minute of the game before the game winner. She missed a key free throw that would have put them up by four. And kind of sealed the game a little bit. Um, and I know that she, I'm sure she's a much better free throw now because that is haunting when you miss a free throw, a gimme that could have put your team up. She was six for six up until that moment, an 80% mm -hmm. free throw shooter over the season. Six for six in that game up until the moment she missed those two free throws with I think it was like 38 seconds left. Yes. Just the amount of pressure, I think just in general, if we zoom out, the final four, March Madness, they had classes. Like, they still have homework right. after that game. <laughs> You're exactly <laughs> right. getting I paid did. anything. They have to study after this. And the pressure is so high that you're not thinking about classes. You're not thinking about your professors. But the fact that they still have that in their brain you're, at all uh, is insane. You're exactly. Really I have this giant doc with all these stats and things that I prepared for this. And not once in this doc is does the word homework appear. And you're exactly right. She had like a <laughs> science quiz two weeks after this that she's like thinking about. Yeah. They had midterms. Um, the championship game, Agumba Wale <laughs> had a rough first half. She was 6 of 21 overall the game, finished with 18 points, 5 of yeah. 7 again from the free throw line, missed two more free throws. Um, but not the best game for her, 6 of 21 shooting, but again, monstrous, gigantic shot at the at the buzzer to win the championship so i mean how how bad can your game be if you if you end up tacking that on at the very end so crazy and i i listened to a couple of her interviews like talking about it and one thing that i can relate to is that excitement mm. of a buzzer beater mm. so in college we did upset the number one Alaska Anchorage in the D2 tournament, right? Wow. We were last seed, barely made it in. We went to Alaska, and my teammate hit a shot at the buzzer. Amazing. Whole city of uh, Anchorage Ugh. in this arena upset them. Ugh. It was crazy. It was crazy. But that high of it, like we were on cloud nine, but in tournament play, you have to play. If not the next day, then, right. you know, the day after that. Right. And so Arike talked about how she hit that game winner in the semifinals. They had, you know, a late night. They couldn't sleep. Yes. And then they had shoot around at, like, right. the first slot, 8 a.m., right. 9 a.m. And you have to kind of, like, reprogram yes. your mind to stay focused and get back into it. It's such a hard drop emotionally. We got blown out by 25 the next game. Yes. Like we, you can't handle it. You can't I, handle it. I love you bringing that up. That's exactly, uh, I, and I appreciate you telling the story about you guys getting blasted after that, after <laughs> yeah. your win. It's, it's, you're right. And again, when you look at it through the lens of this being a true child, like, I mean, I, I don't mean to <laughs> yeah. be the old guy on this podcast, but like, this is a kid, and when I think back about all of the stuff I didn't know or didn't know how to process feelings or emotions, it's just crazier to think about doing that, having shoot-around, and having to go back out and play another game, and then doing it again. It's just nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nuts. It's truly nuts. It's nuts. And the, this was the first time in the women's tournament where both teams went into overtime. Right. So they were kind of both on that Mississippi State 
and Notre Dame going into the championship game. They were both on that high level. Right. That's why when I look back and I saw how low the score was, yes. like that is Makes totally sense. a part of it. Yes. Their emotions are right. all over the place, trying yes. to level each other out. And uh, that just folk refocus is really hard to do. Per a perfect ad. Thank you so much for that. Also, if I might for a second, I love thinking about you guys playing in Alaska and everybody just being bundled up and like the hoods with yes. the fur around them. Everybody like sitting <laughs> there so like cold. I'm picturing like some guy with like a fishing pole, like somebody that was just like out <laughs> ice fishing or something. Like I that's and then you just burying a shot and being like public enemy number one in Alaska. That's just a great Which they were vision. so nice. Like the whole town literally <laughs> shut down for the women's game. I'm like, oh, I amazing. love this town. That's great. Everything, all the local stores shut down. We go I back to the it. hotel. They're like, we were at the game. We saw it on TV. That was crazy. <laughs> it was it was wild. I like you guys. I like the idea of you guys just talking crazy shit in Alaska. They're fucking Alaskans. <laughs> I love that. Um, here's another stat, something to consider. Notre Dame specific stat. Notre Dame lost four championship games in 2011, 2012, 2014, 2015. They lost four times in the championship game. Mm -hmm. Some teams are defined by losing streaks like that. Like the Buffalo Bills have a whole documentary about how they're legendary losers. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. I, I think it's so interesting when you look at specifically those years that you mentioned, that was the Skylar Diggins years, right? right? It's so crazy that she never won right. a championship. And so when you think of the, who are the best players to come out of Notre Dame, and I think this goes into the Hall of Fame worthy moment, is you, you have to give Arike that nod. Yes. She left, you know, the overall scoring leader. She beat Skylar Diggins in that. And Skylar Diggins, Kayla McBride, that super stacked team, never won and Enrique got it done so you have to at least give her that hat tip I love that by winning that title she didn't mm -hmm. just win a, she kind of rewrote the book on Notre Dame basketball where it could have been like dismissed as I know they, they had the championship 17 years ago with um was it Ivy I think was the point yep on the team. yep who's now the coach yeah right yes on the coach's staff uh so they have that title, but, you know, in today's day and age where you're living, you know, day to day and you're thinking about the, this video and this thing happens and it's gone two hours later and you can't even remember it. Like 17, a championship 17 years ago was a long time ago. So yeah. to have four losses and then to win this, she kind of rewrote the history. And you're right, took the mantle fully as the best player to ever play at Notre Dame, male or female. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so interesting, too, and I think – I, I want to ask you this. If she didn't hit the championship Ugh. game winner, Ugh. if she just hit the semifinal, would we Ugh. be having this conversation? It's because then question. the drought still goes on. Right. Like it's they still aren't winners. And it's so hard for me to have conversations when the players didn't make it all the way to the yep. finish line. If they it's come a, up ugh. short, but they had an amazing performance. Yep. It's really hard to talk about because you you aren't the champion. Let me tell you, this is a great question. I love that you asked it. And this podcast shouldn't just be about my opinion. But I, of course, <laughs> have an immediate, strong opinion on this. And my answer is, if she hits the shot against UConn, if she goes to the championship game, if they get waxed, th there's no – there's no way we're talking about. There's no way I'm talking yeah. about this. There's no way yeah. I'm considering it. If it's close, like if she loses, you know, in the fourth quarter, if she loses, but she played great, mm -hmm. I, there's a chance. But Jordan, I appreciate you bringing this up because it's something I want the people to know that are listening to this podcast. We are not here to decide whether a moment was great. We're not here to decide if it was cool, if it was awesome, if it's something that you're going to remember. We are deciding whether this moment goes into the first ballot hall of fame. Mm -hmm. We're going to be turning things away to establish the greatness level of this hall of fame. This is a small room thing. And I listen, I've brought you on this show so we can have this conversation. But the truth is, is at the end of this show, I might tell you your opinion on whether this goes in does not matter because I'm taking <laughs> it out. That could happen. 
And I need you to be prepared for it. That's fair. That's fair. It's your podcast. Hey, just a guest. (laughs) Yeah, I just spent, I think I just yelled at you for a couple of minutes. I apologize. It's okay. That's what I wanted. That's the question. That's what happens because we, I, I agree. We wouldn't be talking about this. And, and just in the context of it all, it is a great moment. And it really was career defining for her. And I think, if anything else, she was a champion. She ended the 17-year drought. All these things. She she won a championship. Skylar Diggins didn't. And and think about all the pubs Skylar got. Yes. Like, my gosh. Massive. Um, she was put on. She put people on notice. And I think that was, you know, she was a great player. We already knew she was a, a scorer. But those shots were like, wait a second. Agreed. Let me look deeper into Enrique's career what is she gonna do at the next level um and I, I think it's also funny that that was her junior year I don't really remember what she did her senior I didn't year. either I sort of in my head believed <laughs> that she walked and went went pro after that that becomes your history with this person you go yeah she hit those two killer ice cold shots and like that's who yeah. she is to me mm-hmm. and, and that's who she she carried that throughout the W too that was it, that's a great thing to be known for <laughs> honestly really anytime a game would go down to the wire even when she was a rookie when she's in her early years it, even you know I watch her play overseas in the ELW like they bring up that moment right. they're like oh she's clutch yeah. remember yes. she hit those two back to back so it's it's not a bad thing to be known for <laughs> yeah, it's really deserved when you perform in the in the with the lights on like that that stays with you and for good reason. Like you give your team the feeling that I'm who knows, man, I mean, we could win this thing. We've got Arike on the team and she yep. did the thing, you know? Uh, all right. Here's some other stats I'm going to dive into. I'm going to read off a couple. Feel free to stop me if you want to comment on something Four, the number four, four rotation players for Notre Dame lost for the season, all torn ACLs, including their all American center, four rotation players off the team from ACLs. They still win the championship because she hits two ice cold daggers. That's a hundred percent adds to the greatness of this moment. Oh my goodness. I didn't know that. Three. Damn. Notre Dame scored three second quarter points in the championship game. They had one basket and and one by Shepard in the post. Three points in the second quarter. (laughs) There's no way they win that game. Without Arike. Arike was one, in the first half, one of 10 for two points. And mm. again, we go back to like the pressure. How do you as a team, I want you to put yourself in, in this mindset and then tell me, answer this question. If you mm-hmm. are Arike and you've you've had this moment as you've detailed, and maybe, maybe this is to your earlier point, that sort of coming down off of a moment like that, but you've had this moment, you're now in the championship game, and you go cold in the first half. You're one of ten. Your team scores yes. three points in the entire second quarter, and you're down fifteen in the second half. I think they were down fourteen or thirteen at halftime, but ultimately fifteen in the second half. How do you get yourself up and ready and prepared? How do you come back from that? I would think as a college kid, it would just flatten you. And you know that Mississippi State team was that was their mo like defense you're not gonna get easy shots they had tiara mccowan who was just a rim protector that is her job so they knew that going in they knew that scouting report but at that time you gotta lean on muffin mcgraw you gotta lean Mm. on a coach who has seen it all and knows your team knows you as a player especially if i'm enrique I'm going to be like, yo, what, what am I doing? Right. What am I not seeing? Right. Because that is key, especially with when you play a lot of minutes like Arike, you, you don't even get a chance to even be on the bench to look at what's going on on the court. What are the holes? What are they not picking up? So you're just out there and you're just figuring it out. And they know you just scored a game winner and they know you just almost scored 30 points. They're not going to let you do that on them, especially when the championship's on the line. Yes. So they had extra pressure, extra defense, and you have to make that switch. You're thankful for the halftime break. You're thankful for it would stop in action for you to reassess your game. Because if you said, okay, 
my floater has been amazing this whole tournament, mm. but they stopped the floater. Mm. What, are, what else do you have in your bag? Right. Okay, the left side is open. If we go inside out, you're open. Like, really dissecting it. And she's the type of scorer and player where she can make those quick changes. If you tell her the left side is open, she will score five times in a row from the left side. Like, she has that type of superstardom. So that's when you lean on your Hall of Fame coach and you say, what... What am I missing? What's going on? And I think that's what happened. Um, you mentioned how many minutes she played. She she sat for one minute against uh, Mississippi State, and mm. she played all forty five minutes against UConn. Forty minutes uh, of the regulation and all five minutes of the overtime. Notre Dame only played six women in the final four and the final six wow. player rotation. That's nuts, is it not? That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Let's quickly go through the competition. Um, another stat, one. UConn-Mississippi State lost one game between them all season. Oh, uh, UConn, the previous year, had been undefeated. They won 111 games in a row over three seasons. That's so funny to, to just say to say out loud that yes. they, they won 111 games. Uh and who beat UConn? Mississippi State. Mm. So mm-hmm. UConn wins that. 111 games. They get beat by Mississippi State in the tournament in the Final Four. And then Notre Dame has to play both of them to win a championship. <laughs> That's wild. That's just – I mean, it's not like they – it's not like they got the chance to catch a, a Cinderella that, you know, poked their head through. They had to go up against two monsters in these two games – to have these two moments to win the title. It's just wild to think about. Yeah. Can I, I, I looked into this a little bit. Can I go through the UConn roster? Please. Because it's kind of ridiculous. We talk about all the time in women's basketball that they're all super teams. Like every team is a super team in the WNBA and in especially UConn when they were going through that, it's it's ridiculous the win streak it really is it's it's beyond of impressive it's like all right not the biggest <laughs> fan of Gino but it's fine yeah so, it becomes a little obnoxious it's so good it becomes like, obnoxious yes. it's an eye roll <laughs> okay so if we look at this who was on the court for that UConn team yes you have Nafisa Collier who mm-hmm. went on to be rookie of the year yeah <laughs> the next year in the WNBA, you have Katie Lou Samuelson, credible shooter, top draft pick. Great. You have Kia Nurse, right. top WNBA draft pick. Yep. Jordan Brand athlete. Yep. Amazing defender. Gabby Williams, who was guarding Arike, is a baller for France. She's won Defensive Player of the Year for the oh Euro League women, and she's now guarding for the Seattle Storm. And she guarded Arike. She guarded Arike, and on that last play, there was a screen, and Nafisa Collier switched on her, and oh. so she hit the shot over Look Nafisa Collier. I don't think she would have made it over Gabby Williams. That's, that's my hot take. That's, that's my oh, hot take. Oh, I love that. And then you have Crystal Dangerfield, who was a junior. Her When she went into the WNBA, she won Rookie of the Year. Amazing. And you have Azara Stevens, who was a part of the champion uh, Chicago Sky. They oh, were all on one, one team. team. They it's, were destined. They were created to win the national championship. I, I think that has to add to the dreams crushed that she did because that team, there's no way. When you look back in UConn history, you see that roster and you say, they didn't win a championship? Mm. What happened? Oh, Arike Gumbawale happened. That's right. <laughs> You mad is the next category. You mad, you mad, you mad. You mad. Did this moment piss anybody off? I love it when people are pissed off. And the person I wanted to talk about being pissed off is Gina Oriema. If you watch the Yukon shot, if you watch that game, when the game ends, they've got a camera, ESPN or whoever it was, immediately has a camera trained on Gino, and they follow him to Muffet. The camera's not on Muffet. The camera's mm-hmm. on Gino. And yes. he, you see Muffet making a beeline right to shake his hand. And he barely mutters what looks like, and I watched it a number of times, he barely mutters good game. 
I don't believe he even really looks in her eyes. He's looking past her the entire time. He kind of like patronizes and taps her on the back once and just good game and just goes right past her. And I love seeing him just a little pissed off. Oh, it's my favorite thing. It's my favorite thing because, again, when you look at the roster, when you look at this recruiting class, he know what he was doing. He know he was trying to keep the streak alive. He know he definitely had a short rotation. Like he's only playing people that are for sure top WNBA right. draft picks, which is just a crazy thought. He he only expects the championship. So anytime. Someone can hand him an L on a silver platter. <laughs> it's my favorite day. <laughs> Our next category, the eye test. What did you see in the game that goes beyond mm. the stats? Was there anything you watched in either of those, the UConn game or Mississippi State game, in either of those moments, was there anything that caught your eye mm-hmm. past the stats? Yes. I think for the eye test, especially for the UConn, because that play, you know, they call a timeout. It's an out-of-bounds play. Arike was originally supposed to take the ball out. Right. She tells Jackie Young, who yes. goes on to be a number one draft pick, she tells her to take the ball right. out. And that was a switch for me. Like, okay, yes. she wants this. Right. She wants this. It was kind of a broken play. I think yes. both instances, they were trying to go inside Agreed. to their center, Jessica Shepard. Because Agreed. she's a big, she's trying to score inside. Both times. Jessica gets it. She doesn't have it. She dribbles it out. It's a broken play. Arike goes yes. and gets the ball. Yes. She does not wait for it to it. come to her. She did. And I think that was so interesting to me because that's what I feel like Jackie Young did. She was on the other side of the court. She wasn't, she was kind of just waiting to mm-hmm. see what happened. Arike went and got it. And she said, I'm about to make something happen. And that to me was like, Oh, she's a star. That's like right. she is going to do a lot of great things That's right. at the next level. And she is going a team is going to revolve around her. That's right. She's a star. It it wasn't a mistake. That wasn't right. a thing that just like, oh, happenstance. She went and got your I love that ad. You're exactly right. Neither play looked like it was designed for her. She, mm-hmm. And it got to a point where she went, give me the ball. I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna I make something that. happen. And that's that. You know, that Mamba mentality, that's, that's that right. killer mentality. That's like, and, and we talk about pressure too. Like if I miss this, I want to be the one to miss it yes. too. I think we have to still consider how much of a leader and how much she was willing to take the fall if it didn't go in. Her wanting to be the one to either win it or be the one to lose it right. says a lot about her. Uh, next mm. category the ear test. Now, this is a new category I just added. The ear test. Mm. What I realized was a lot of these moments are made by or really shaped by the call from, from mm. the announcer. It's just something that you go like, the. Uh, do you believe in miracles? Like the guy, the guy's just skating around like, you know, there's like nothing's like happening in that moment. But when you think about the United States beating Russia in that hockey game, I'm uh, even yeah. me, I'm too too young for that to really have absorbed that moment but when i think about that call when you think about that game you think about that call but i know personally i know nothing of that game i don't remember have one visual highlight i've never watched it the only thing i remember is the call and that's one of the you know considered one of the great sports moments ever and it's really Mm -hmm. formed by al michael's call so what was your opinion of the call on both game-winning, buzzer-beating, game-winning, and the second one being a championship-winning shots from Mariko Gumbawale. That's a good one. And I think I'm coming at this in a different way now that I have been in the play-by-play booth (laughs) once before. It is hard hard because you are telling people what you're seeing. Yes. And you know that they could see it or maybe they can't. And you're trying to describe it and you're trying to have that that first gut reaction. And uh, when I was doing the 3x3 for FIBA, there was a game winner. And I like paused a second because I was like, whoa, what just happened? But I'm like, oh, shoot. Oh, they won. Like you, <laughs> you, it's hard to take it in at the same time. I think both calls were really good. And then they both had like, a really long pause of silence after to be like, wait, what did I just take in? What are the stakes of this? 
um i believe in the mississippi state i think carol lawson was in that booth and great monarch great player and she was kind <laughs> of like what was this tournament like yes. what did we just what did we just watch and i think that was all of us so that does pass the ear test to me because it was so relatable of the shock and the like wait 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 she just did it again i think the call was great they did the best they could for the shock of the moment it's difficult it's it's i've never done it obviously but having worked in this business it's really difficult to be good in those moments. And when someone is good, it's amazing. The thing about both calls is Adam Amin screams good on both, I believe. Rob, play him right now. Good! Good! The, the thing about him yelling good, you can feel the excitement in his voice. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's not like he had, I don't think he had scripted down, oh, I'm gonna yell good if you made. I feel like that erupted from his mouth. And the fact that he says good on both, to me, lends credence to this is not something he planned. That feels like an organic eruption <laughs> yeah, from him. Yes. Yeah. Because he did it twice. It literally erupted from him twice. And I like it feeling real. I like feeling his excitement in that moment. And to me, that made it a good call. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. But hey, they got the pros on it. And it is something like those are unplanned. When you have your scripts, you have all your notes. When a player's at a free throw line, when a player shoots a certain type of shot, you're like, okay, I'm going to mention this. When they, you know, are guarded by a certain player, you're like, okay, they were teammates or you have that scripted. But when it's a buzzer beater, yes. it is that natural reaction right. that just so happened there's a microphone in front of your face and you say whatever That's you're right. going to say. Right. And that is the emotion because as fans watching at home, they're cheering they're having that same emotion because they they weren't expecting it either. I completely agree. Um, the you you mentioned Carol Lawson. There is a great video that ESPN put out. We'll post it on our uh, Instagram. You can check it out there. Great video um, of the announcers during the call, and Carol Lawson is legitimately stunned. I don't yeah, believe yeah. she says a thing. <laughs> She's but, like. <laughs> and there's like a moment where at the end of the clip, at least she reaches and grabs Rebecca Lobo's hand and she like yeah. touches Adam Amin. <laughs> and you can tell that she's like, this was something special that the three of us just got the chance to be a part of and will be remembered yeah. for. And now Jordan Liggins and Neil are talking about them on this podcast. It really yes. was a, it was a, it was a special moment. And you can see it on, on their face during that call. Yeah. Yeah, I love Kara Lawson. She's so good at being a, a in the booth or comp and any analysis. She's so good. And I'm not saying that just because she was on the champion Sacramento <laughs> Monarchs. I love her anyway. She was like my password for everything. It was like Kara Lawson 20 when I was a kid. So I love her. And so she's so good. Your support of the Monarchs is disgusting. <laughs> How much you're cramming the monarchs into this conversation. Next Hall of Fame credential to discuss is Twitter fingers. Were there any memorable tweets about this moment? I think the one worth discussing for Jordan Liggins, the Lakers and Kobe Bryant fan. And for Neil, the gigantic Laker fan, the Lakers are the only thing I care about, is the tweet from Kobe Bryant. Uh, Arike saw that Kobe was at the UConn game and mm -hmm. mentioned Mamba mentality in her post-game interview. Of course, Kobe sees that on Twitter and tweets, big, big time shot, Arike. We are a UConn family, but we love seeing great players make great plays. I know my little sister, Jewel Lloyd, is happy. Well done, Notre Dame women's team. Good luck on Sunday. Hashtag Mamba mentality. Of course, the guy's just, uh, you know, he was promoting still. My favorite thing is when, you know, after Arike wins, she goes on Ellen. She's so excited. Kobe surprises her on Ellen with the signed jersey and everything. And I love that Kobe admits that he was mad tweeting that. Like, he was, <laughs> yes. he was so upset, which is so perfect. He's just like, oh, why does she beat my UConn team? He loves Gino, you know, and their whole story. So I just love the image of Kobe like, oh, good job. Just like through <laughs> gritted teeth, like. Can I tell you how much I appreciate you watching 
uh, her appearance on Ellen, unless you're like some giant Ellen DeGeneres fan and you're constantly just consuming clips of Ellen DeGeneres on YouTube. I I think that you watched that in preparation for this podcast. Is that the case? I, I watched it when it happened, but I did you remember it, it for this podcast. Oh, listen, I really, yeah. I really appreciate you rewatching it. That means <laughs> the world to me. My favorite thing about that interview was when Ellen was like, pointing to the NCAA trophy and was like, Kobe, do you have one of these? <laughs> He's like, no, <laughs> never. I don't have one of those. <laughs> your your recall on Ellen DeGeneres clips is a Hall of Fame worthy door, and I must admit, <laughs> our next credential is the test of time. This is comparing this moment against others like it in history. Jordan, can you think of another moment in, in history that's like this? I really can't. I really can't. The only thing, the only thing that I can compare to, which it's not really, it's not on the same level at all, but just this past season, DeMar DeRozan hit those two back-to-back game winners. And it was, it was one of those things where I wasn't watching those games, but my fiance is like, DeMar just hit a game winner. And I was like, oh yeah, I saw that. Like thinking he was talking about the game before. He was like, no, he hit another one. And I was like, what? (laughs) And so rewatching those clips. And that was kind of the same thing with her. It was like, no, no, no. She hit it again. Like she hit the game winner and then she hit another one. And you kind of don't believe it. And when you're telling people, it's like folklore. It's like this made up myth that no way she hit two of them. Um, and, and that's the only thing I compare it to, but the stakes are nowhere near the same. The stakes aren't comparable. So I don't really think there's been anything like it, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. The next credential X factor. Is there something else that adds to this moment's greatness? I want to pitch you one. Mm. Names, two world-class names. Arike Ogumbawale is a fantastic name to hear people saying that, like to to recount it for us to be discussing Ogumbawale's Final Four. That is lovely. What a lovely yeah. name! The way it sort of flows and has you know uh, uh, peaks and valleys to it. I just love saying that name. And then Muffet McGraw. I mean, get out of town. You're gonna tell me a better name than Muffet McGraw? I just think there that, is no better name. How much fun is this talking about Enrique Gumbawale and Muffet McGraw winning a t- championship? That's a lot of fun, and I think it matters in a in a moment when you're trying to decide whether something gets into the first ballot Hall of Fame. You got to look for yeah. everything, and I think those fantastic names are a nice little addition here. I think it's great, and you know you have to know how to say a Gumbawale first of all. So just the the image of people practicing and having to know her name now like you know her name now you may have seen it before you didn't know how to pronounce it but after those shots you knew how to pronounce it it. you knew who it went to you knew the meaning of her first name they kept saying the meaning to cherish (laughs) so it's like you knew the meaning of her first name you knew how to pronounce her last name all the way into the w now like you remember it from that moment this moment taught us a foreign language (laughs) it did the last category before we get to the serious stuff burning questions let's answer a few remaining questions that might make the difference here in terms of hall or no hall my first question to you is these are both questions to you jordan it's a big moment for you these are tough questions i want you to be prepared are you prepared (laughs) need a glass of water or something i don't i just (laughs) want you to know that this is a very serious thing that we're doing the first question is how much luck was involved in that last shot, in the shot that beat mm. Mississippi State? How much luck is involved in that shot? And if it's a lucky shot, does that take away from its greatness? <sighs> I think there's a little bit of luck, but what I always say is that when preparation meets opportunity, that's when great things happen. And I think that she or I know that she talked about it. She has practiced late game. She said her and Marina Murbury were in the gym all the time. Somebody's counting down, somebody's shooting. So she has prepared for that moment. I don't think she knew it was going to be fading to her right, right. in a, in a three point shot. But I think the, the one tell that you can always see in those shots is the follow through, mm. right? Like even in those crazy last second shots 
She still held her follow through. Yes. She still had her Ugh. mechanics. She still went back to the beginning. And it wasn't just a, you know, throw up right. two hands. Right. That Those to me are lucky. Yes. But when you hold the follow through, right. when you have the footwork right. down, when you're zoned in on where you're shooting, like you're actually trying to make it, you know that she's practiced that shot. A million times and that's the mentality that you have to get into we we've shot a three before we know how to make a three <laughs> and that's that's the kind of mindset that you have to get into now my half court heave when i was 17 <laughs> that, was a, that was a lot of luck that was a lot of luck but hers looked very methodical and it was very much of a follow-through um so that's how you can well, that's how you can tell it was less luck that's a great point you now, hold on. You mentioned Marina Mabry now for the second time. I mm. want to say about Marina Mabry, when I look at her, the thing I like most about Marina Mabry is when I look at her, I feel like, I don't know why I feel this, but I swear to God I wrote this down in my little notepad here. <laughs> it looks, I when I look at Marina Mabry, I go, that woman has broken a bottle over somebody's head in a bar before. <laughs> I feel like she's taken a bottle and smashed it over someone's head. And then like walked out and was like, arrest me. Go ahead. Yeah. And it was why. probably because someone didn't say a Goomba Wale. Right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> She's great. I think that's a great answer to that question. The last question here is, okay. last burning question. Is this the greatest moment in college basketball history? I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know. I, I want everyone listening to know. She looked off into the distance. <laughs> and that I don't know was the truest answer she's given during this recording. She, Jordan Liggins, does I can't, not know. Yeah, I can't, I can't answer that. I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate your <laughs> candor. The last, this is segueing nicely. The last credential here is the cosign. Ms. Jordan Liggins. Okay. Do you co-sign this moment? Do you believe the Ogumba Wale Final Four should make it in, should be inducted into the first ballot Hall of Fame? And if so, why? I do. I don't know where you need me to sign. I don't know if I sign <laughs> the microphone or where. I do because of everything that we've talked about in this podcast. It was an incredible, incredible personal achievement to hit two back-to-back you know, go ahead three and a game buzzer beater three to upset a loaded UConn team to hand Gino Oriema an L. It was beautiful. And then you do it to a Mississippi State team um, who was also coming off an overtime, was purely ready to win this championship. You do it after a terrible first half. You do it after all of these things um, to end as a team now as a program to end a 17-year drought Arike Gumawale did it and she beat these two monsters to get there in women's basketball she really did. you know even if you've never watched a women's college basketball game in your life you knew of this moment you heard about this moment right. she went on to be on Dancing with the Stars right. she was <laughs> like a celebrity because no one had seen it before. And she made a fan out of a lot of people that haven't watched yep. women's basketball right. and hadn't even heard of <clears throat> Arike Gumbawale, hadn't heard of Notre Dame, didn't know about the UConn rivalry, but all of a sudden they know everything now. A great point. Um, that's why. A great point. I completely agree with you. It really transcended. <laughs> it really did. It transcended. Yeah. And now, Jordan, it's time for the induction speech. The induction speech is when I have to decide me okay <laughs> whether the Enrique Ogumbawale final four will make it into the first ballot hall of fame to live forever and be remembered and honored as it should Enrique Ogumbawale hit the shot of her life and almost certainly the biggest singular shot in the history of Notre Dame basketball male or female I don't think that's up for debate yeah and then she did it again she, like she did that she did that once and then she did it again she won up her own moment and created this giant double-headed moment which is just insane i i don't think you can think of like if you talk about the Wale moment you can't just talk about the shot against mississippi state to win the title because of the one before it 
And that to me makes it so unique and so special. Um, it's pretty rare that a buzzer beating championship winner is not what we're discussing, but they're just inextricably linked. They're forever tied together. I think you could make a decent argument that that Agumbawale final four is the greatest moment in NCAA basketball history. I think you could make a legitimate argument. I think the arguments against it would largely be sexist. (laughs) I, I really do. I think if you think just about moment, you can't get higher stakes than the championship. And she hit a buzzer beater game winner to win the championship. And she hit the buzzer beater game winner to get to the championship. There's nothing like it. There's really nothing like it. There's nothing comparable. I'm not going to say it is the best. I also, like you, don't know if it's the greatest moment. But I think you could make the argument. I think you can make the case. And the fact that we're debating it, to Mm -hmm. me, is why I'm proud to induct the Arike Ogumbawale Final Four into the first ballot Hall of Fame where it belongs. Thank you so much, Jordan, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being a part of this. I'm so glad it's in the Hall of Fame, and it's in part because of you and the arguments you made. Thank you so much for doing it. Wow. I, it's an honor. It really is an honor. Thank you so much. What can we What can we plug for you? Ooh, you got yes, handles. You got social sure. handles. What can, we, what can we have people, the people listening to this, uh, where can they go check you out? Yes, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at underscore Jordan Liggins or Instagram at Jordan Liggins. Make sure to subscribe to the Spinsters podcast wherever you get your podcasts and check out Take It From L.A., a Jordan brand um, video series talking. It's our love letter to basketball in L.A. So make sure to check out those videos. Uh, the Spinsters as a podcast and Jordan is talent. They're special. Uh, and I believe that she's going to take off and that I will be able to sell very selfishly go. Jordan was on my show early before she <laughs> became a big deal. And that's why you should listen to my show. So Jordan, <laughs> thanks so much for doing the show. It was a lot of fun to talk with you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Credits. This episode was edited by the Emmy winner, Rob Arucci, produced by super producer, Jessica Sang. Written by me, music by the mighty Rhythm J. Follow him on socials at Rhythm J. Show logo by Rob Harskamp. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at First Ballot HOF. Rate and review us. Tell a friend and come back next week for another great sports moment. This is First Ballot.